Tennessee, it's winning with defense. Who are these guys? And what happened to that Josh Heupel offense? Uh, well, we don't know. It was missing in action. At least the pass game was against Texas A&M. But the defense rose to the occasion. Very important win for the Vols. And, of course, that sets the stage for a very important game this Saturday at Alabama. Welcome in to the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels, Adam Sparks and John Adams. Guys, I'm sure we will talk at length about the Alabama game. We'll get into Joe Milton. I know it's top of mind for all Tennessee fans. Uh, but let's start with uh, with some positives before getting into maybe the daunting task of beating Alabama on the road, particularly with Joe Milton, at quarterback. Uh, the defense, how about that? On Saturday, did you ever think we'd be talking about Tennessee winning a conference game against a pretty decent opponent while scoring just twenty points with well, Josh Heupel as coach? Anyway, yeah, I mean, I needed I needed to see that defensive game to then say that this team can win with defense. Now, if, if it's it's easy to forget, but last year Tennessee had games where it played dominant defense. Um, it was always overshadowed by the offense, but Tennessee gave up what is it, six points in the win at uh, or against Kentucky last year. They gave up, I think it was thirteen in the blowout at LSU. Um, Clemson uh, in the Orange Bowl that was as much of a defensive win as it was anything. the The Vanderbilt game was a shutout. Uh, Missouri they gave up like what two scores. So th- this defense had you know four or five dominant performances last year. But they weren't always against great teams. Um, so you were always sort of waiting and saying, well, they were good in this situation, but I don't know if they can win a big game uh, that they that they need to win and one where the offense doesn't show up. And we have the answer to that now. And I'm, uh, I feel like halfway through this season when the defense has been pretty good and the uh, rush defense has been good, the pass rush has been good, the secondary is improved in some ways, and I think a lot of that has to do with the pass rush. Um, I can, I, I feel pretty confident, and maybe I'll eat my words a few days from now uh, in Tuscaloosa, but I, I feel pretty confident now saying this is a team that can win with defense. But it took a game like the A&M game for me to, for me to feel more certain about that. Yeah, it's a, a dramatic turnaround. And you go back to last season, yeah, Tennessee did have some good defensive games, but when it faced a really good quarterback, they had career days. Anthony Richardson at Florida, Tennessee barely won the game, but it won, but it didn't do anything to contain Anthony Richardson. Same thing against Alabama. Tennessee had to score 52 points to offset Alabama's 49. Uh, Most of that was the work of quarterback Bryce Young, a number one draft pick. Then since then with the Tennessee season on the line, it gives up 63 points, six touchdown passes to Spencer Rattler. Stetson Bennett of Georgia would have had a huge game if Georgia hadn't shut it down on a rainy afternoon when the game was in hand. So, yeah, I just – I really didn't see this defense coming uh, because I was just – I thought the defense was shaky last year even though it had some good games and played well against Clemson in the Orange Bowl. But – I also checked my inbox, and I think uh, I got a lot of emails last year about Tennessee needed a new defensive coordinator. The Tim Bikes just couldn't get it done. And uh, I haven't gotten a single email saying 
Man, that Tim Banks is one great defensive coordinator. What a mastermind. You know, so I'll take up for Tim Banks because he's done a great job with this defense. And he's got it, as you said, Adam, it, the defense is just an impactful defense. It There's no better defense than one that makes quarterbacks uncomfortable. I mean, and, and that's what Tennessee does best. And see, I go back to last year, and I see all those quarterbacks having career days, and now I see quarterbacks having some of the worst days of their career. And it's with the same defensive coordinator, so the talent's better. And uh, I give Tim Bikes a lot of credit for this defense. Well, and I mean, uh, John, I think maybe you – pointed out something there earlier also the difference in quarterbacks in the sec this year especially on tennessee schedule I, I don't think we can ignore that now they played spencer rattler and they played him very well um but who else on their schedule you know they don't they don't play lsu they don't play daniels uh they don't play jackson dart um they played a, a good backup in max johnson the other night but he, he was a backup for for a reason Jalen milrow this week, and I know we'll get to him. He can run it some. He can throw the deep ball, but he's but he's not Bryce Young. Um, you know, they they just don't have. They're not going to face a tough quarterback in Kentucky. Brady Cook maybe is the best guy that they'll face Missouri here on out. But the fact that there aren't as many superstar quarterbacks in the SEC this year, and there's even fewer on Tennessee schedule, I think helps helps Tennessee's uh, defense get to where they are. Yeah, and John, you mentioned um, you know how much the defensive line is disrupting things and not allowing quarterbacks to be comfortable. And certainly, the quarterback talent has dropped off in this conference. But I'm nonetheless um, really impressed with the way the Vols have uh, have got it done up front. Particularly because I I wondered about that unit in the aftermath of losing Byron Young, who was their best pass rusher last year. Now, fast forward, and James Pierce. I mean, he was excellent against the Aggies. Tyler Barron has been disruptive this season as well. And, you know, from coming into the game, all the talk was about Texas A&M's defensive line and how much talent they had. And they do. They weren't able to shut down the Vols run game, though. And I thought of the the better of the defensive fronts, Tennessee's looked like the better one, which uh, coming into this season, I sure don't think I would have said that about a Texas A&M-Tennessee matchup that that Tennessee's defensive front would uh, would be the more disruptive of the two, but that that was the case on Saturday, and as much as any other reason, that's why the Vols won the game. What uh, why they didn't want win the game um, was their pass game, and that is the maybe the top lingering concern going into Alabama now because historically, to beat Nick Saban, you don't do it um, by by winning twenty to thirteen now. Tennessee's not going to turn down wins over Nick Saban, however they get them, but just that's that's not the way it goes. You think that back last year, Tennessee won 52-49. Well, that's typically how Alabama loses. Dating to 2018, Alabama's lost uh, eight games during that stretch. Those eight losses in that span, the opponent averaged 41.3 points. So if you want to beat Nick Saban, you got to score. You got to score some touchdowns. So how does Tennessee do it with this offense? How do they do it with Joe Milton at quarterback? And, and how concerned uh, should Tennessee be about its passing game? 
well, they can't do it how they how they beat A and M. That's just not going to work. Um, it's certainly not going to work on the road. Um, a hundred yards passing. That's what Joe Milton had the other night against Texas A and M. Uh, that was fewest passing yards that a Josh Hopple offense has had. And Blake, you may have covered this team. I don't, I don't know. Is twenty sixteen Missouri? Um, Drew Locke threw for ninety three yards in a loss to Florida through two pick sixes. Um, that's that's the that's the last time that a Josh Hopple offense is thrown for this few yards in, in a game. And you know the the difference between that game in 2016, uh, that Missouri game when he was OC there, and this game is that he he gets some slack for this one because they won. And it's funny around Knoxville this week, and certainly around the Tennessee fan base, that you get sort of two takes. You get the the take of well, he dodged a bullet. Boy, because you know this—that was a terrible passing game. They were lucky to win, um, and then you get the other side of, "Hey, just just win, just win however you can." And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Um, I, I think the second approach makes sense. It's just you can't you can't take that on the road, and you can't take that to Alabama. Uh, Joe Milton's going to have to throw for I, I don't know a couple hundred yards for them to have a chance. They're not going to have to score. I don't know if they'll have to score forty-one because. Uh, or whatever that number was, because I don't think Alabama necessarily has the firepower this year. I could see a lower scoring game, but you're probably going to have to get to the 30s. And, uh, you know, today, uh, Josh Apple's, uh, Josh Apple had his press conference, his main press conference for the week, and he downplayed everything. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I'm uh, shocked by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we asked him in a number of different ways. Uh, and, Boy, I had uh, pulled out some of the like the little quotes that he had, you know, what's wrong with Milton? What's wrong with the receivers? Is this fixable? Is it personnel? Is it scheme? And he said things like, we're just a little bit off. We're just a, we're just a tad bit off. We're really close. We're not far off. All these things that it was just the, like these little like, we're, the passing games just off like by a degree or two. And uh, that's obviously not true. Now, he. He, for example, was talking about specifically about Ramel Keaton, who dropped a couple passes. One of them should have been for a touchdown. Uh, his routes weren't great. He wasn't getting separation. When he was, he was dropping it, or Joe Milton was overthrowing him. Uh, Ramel Keaton didn't have a catch the other day against a and And somebody asked him specifically about Ramel Keaton, and he said, well, if you watch film real closely, you can see how 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 fine of a line there is between Ramel Keaton playing really well and what you saw the other night. I don't know what detail that he saw on film that told him that. Um, yeah, one game he caught the pass, the next game he, he dropped it. That, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that, you know that was his, the missing with, link there. With his two hands, he dropped the ball. If he had a third hand, he in fact would have caught <laughs> it, and that's the fine line between. You know. Um, I, I mean, I, Josh Apple's being optimistic, which he usually is. Um, he's sort of being, uh, he doesn't like panic. He doesn't like to show a lot of concern in terms of surprise me. But um, it's a shame because if they can get the passing game going, that run game is hard to stop. Jalen Wright's making him money right now. He, he has a case by the end of the year to be the best running back in the conference. And their number two and number three aren't half bad either. And so if you can run for 230-plus yards on what's supposed to be the best rush offense in the SEC, if you can pair that with a passing game that can hit two or three shots a game, then you've got a team that can score 40 
But that second part of that equation just wasn't even close the other night, and it should be at this point in the season. Tennessee's best best path through, uh, to victory is through that offensive line. If it can give Joe Milton time to throw, and I agree with Adam, you've got you've got to make some plays in the passing game. You don't have to score. You don't have to throw for five touchdowns, which I think Hendon uh, Hooker did last season. But you got to make just enough to play complementary football. But if you can run the ball like that uh, behind an offensive line, which performs so effectively against Texas A&M, if they can give Joe Milton time to throw, and if they can avoid false start penalties when playing in a very, very hostile venue, I, I think right now, and I never thought I'd be saying this, but Tennessee's offensive line looks better than Alabama's. And uh, when you look what Tennessee did against Texas A&M's defense and what Alabama did, that's not a stretch to say that. And I also think Tennessee can match Alabama on defense. But I agree with Adam. You can't throw for 100 yards and beat Alabama at Bryant-Denny Stadium, I don't think. Uh, So you'll have to make more plays. When Tennessee has those opportunities – that fine line uh, Josh Heupel talks about between a catch and a miss, well, you got to catch it. I'm sure we're going to get into the quarterbacks here in a minute, uh, or the quarterback and maybe another one. But I, I just wanted to point out something with the wide receivers before we get into that. I, I'm I'm a little worried for Tennessee that they don't have the personnel to, to turn this around in, in a big way. Now, I, I'm sure that they'll be better than 100 yards passing a game. But and I, and I asked Josh Hopple specifically about this course. He said, "Yeah, we have the personnel. Absolutely, we've the guys we have on the roster. We can we can get this thing going in terms of explosive plays in the pass game." I, I, I'm not so sure how far that can go. Uh, I thought Ramel Keaton. Ramel Keaton on a good day, I feel like, is a number two receiver. On a not so good day, he's a number three. Uh, Brew McCoy, I thought was. Probably a number two, and that's more for a skill set. He's not a burner, but he's a good, you know, all around wide receiver who can play in the NFL. With Brew McCoy out, now you're asking Ramel Keaton, who's a two or three, to be a one. Um, you're asking Squirrel at times to maybe be the one, and Squirrel is a is a two. He's a slot receiver that's a great complementary receiver to a good outside wide out. Um but he's but he's not a guy that's going to take over a game. It's just really not his skill set. Um, and then now you put in Chas Nimrod or Caleb Webb or whoever plays that other spot, and those are redshirt freshmen that are just now, you know, they're they're like Ramel Keaton two years ago. They'll they'll catch some twelve yard passes over the middle, but you can't rely on them uh, to get separation and beat coverage. And Dante Thornton, he he looks the part, but he's dropped more passes than he's caught. And I mean, the other day, the, the the other night, Tennessee couldn't get anything to go over the middle in the second half, and the only pass they could hit over the middle was throwing it to Dante Thornton, letting it ba- bounce off his chest, and then it caught by the tight end McCallan Castles, and that was basically Dante Thornton's contribution. And th- maybe <laughs> that will turn around. <laughs> it was it's the truth. Yeah. Maybe that will turn around, but it's it's. Alabama's got some good defensive backs. For all their deficiencies this year, the DBs are still pretty good. And if you're going in there with a quarterback that has a lot of questions that we'll get to, and you've got a number two and a couple number threes or a number two and a three and a four at receiver, 
I think it's really hard. They're basically going to have to scheme guys open because I don't think necessarily on just their skill sets they're going to be able to take over games. Yeah, there, there's no there's no Hendon Hooker on this team, but also what gets forgotten sometimes is there's no Jalen Hyatt and there's no Cedric Tillman either. I know Tillman wasn't always healthy last year, but made a lot of plays in Heupel's offense for, for two seasons when he was healthy. And Tillman was sort of uh, the unsung hero of, of and, last and there's and there's and there's not even a Javante Payton. Mm-hmm. And that's almost what it's not. I mean, they would take the other guys you mentioned before anybody else. But Javante Payton two years ago was a guy that just ran go routes every play. <laughs> and he would he he'd catch like six or seven of them over the year. And they were for touchdowns. Ramel Keaton was supposed to be that guy or Dante Thornton was supposed to be that guy. And they're running go routes and they're not completing them. And they would take a Javante Payton right now because he'd be you know, he'd be worth one big play a game that they're not getting. Yeah, and and so the the question that takes us to now is I want to dive into the Joe Milton or, or Nico conversation, and I want to frame it a little bit through the headline Adam had on a recent mailbag. Of course, Adam got a lot of questions uh, about the quarterback situation after the A&M game. Very unsurprising, and and I don't blame fans for uh, for wanting a change or being frustrated with the offense. The headline to Adam's story was if Tennessee football doesn't bench Joe Milton for Nico Iamaliava now, then when? And so that's my question to you guys, because we know it's not happening this week, right? Joe Milton, he's going to be the starting quarterback for Tennessee at Alabama. I think most people understand why that would be. You're not going to start your, make your, your true freshman have his first career start inside Bryant Denny stadium against, uh, Alabama and a team hell-bent on revenge, right? I mean, what a welcome to the big leagues moment that would be for Nico, right? But let's unpack that if not now, then when question. And I I would assume that our opinions might be different than the way Josh Heupel will handle this, but I'm, I'm kind of curious about each. So what do you guys think? I think the calendar and the type of game that you would need to roll Nico out there it makes it makes it difficult. Um, here's the scenario that I would see of Nico potentially taking over the starting role. Uh, Tennessee would have to lose at Alabama and Joe Milton play poorly. And then Tennessee would have to lose at Kentucky and Joe Milton play poorly. And then there would be a chance, maybe a chance, that Nico would get his chance would get his opportunity against UConn because UConn would be a game that you could, you could, you know, you could put him out there and that's a, that's a weak opponent. And at that point, if you lose to Alabama and Kentucky, you're probably going to lose to Georgia later on. So you're saying, okay, this is an eight and four season. Uh, If this is a nine and three, as long as nine and three is still on the table as a likelihood, you stick with Joe Milton. I think Josh Heupel thinks that. He certainly thinks that. I actually think that too. I think if you can get to nine and three, you 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 stick it out with Joe Milton. If, if you're looking at eight and four, that that's a little harder. Um, but that scenario has to play out, like I said it, for for Nico to get it. Because look at look at the alternatives. If they lose the next two, but Joe, it's not Joe Milton's fault. I don't think they bench him because they say we he he played well. He he deserves to keep the job. How much better is Nico going to be? If um, if they beat Kentucky, nine and three is still on the table. Um, and and really, I I don't see. I I guess I'm 
I'm sort of uh, taking other possibilities off the table, which you guys may think are the better possibilities, but you can't do it now because you're playing at Alabama. You're not going to roll Nico out there at Tuscaloosa. Um, you've got to play Joe Milton against Kentucky because nine and three is still on the table. You're not going to let Nico play against Georgia for his first start. So that means just because Joe Milton, if he's bad against Missouri, that next game is not is not Nico. So I, I think the fact that Alabama and Georgia are on the back half of the season, that means Joe Milton has to play those games. And so he's going to have to lose Kentucky game, Missouri game, for there to even be a possibility. And if you get all the way to the Missouri game and uh, and nine and three is off the table, then you get Georgia next week. So it's UConn or nothing. And UConn's got to be after two bad Joe Milton performances and both be losses. Otherwise, I think it's Joe Milton's job all the way. And I think Josh Hopple's going to keep him out there no matter what. I guess I look at it differently. Uh, if Joe Milton plays as poorly against Alabama as he does did against Texas A&M, I would make a change. I wouldn't be thinking uh, – you say, okay, nine and three would be certainly considered a an acceptable season, but I don't think – the way Joe Milton was is playing that you can get to nine and three with him. That's why I would want to try somebody different. I mean, Nico has been there on the campus since last December. He's supposed to be the superstar talent. Uh, I would take a chance because if Joe Milton plays as badly against A&M again, against Alabama, Tennessee loses that game. I don't think there's any reason to think he'd beat Kentucky. I mean, he couldn't win in Gainesville against Florida. Why would he beat? Uh, why would he win in Lexington? I would be. I would make a change after the Alabama game if he plays poorly again. I don't. Yeah. But like Adam said, I don't think Josh Heupel will. But that's what I would do. Nobody likes making quarterback changes quite like sports columnists, right? And and <laughs> it's, it's an easy it's an easy call for me. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going with with John. Big big surprise, right? Uh, uh, the two the two columnists want to uh, make a quarterback change, but yeah. no. Um, I, I think I guess where John and I differ is um, I, I I see Adam's point in that if you nine and three still on the table. If uh, if you lose to Alabama, however, I just don't know. I'm not saying Milton couldn't beat Kentucky or Missouri because maybe that defense plays like it does against Texas A&M. Uh, maybe that run game plays great. My thought would be: Do you need Milton to beat Kentucky or Missouri? What does he bring if he plays bad against Bama? He didn't do anything against Florida. He didn't do anything against Texas A&M. What is he going to do for you that's going to propel you to victory against Kentucky or Missouri that you can't get done with defense and ground game and maybe maybe spice up your pass game uh, with the freshmen? And so um, if I if I felt really strongly that that Milton would would power them past Kentucky and Missouri into a nine and three season, I would say, okay, don't make the change. You take nine and three, and it's Nico's job next year. I just don't know. I don't know what Milton gives you, um, I guess, if he plays poorly against Alabama. We're putting the cart ahead of the horse. But if if that happens and, and um, you know, the A&M game becomes a trend, I, I don't know that he's the guy that I trust to deliver a win against Kentucky or, or Missouri. I would trust the defense, the run game, and make a change at quarterback. 
Well, that I think that brings up an obvious follow-up question. Why would Josh Heupel not make the quarterback change? Let's let's say Joe Milton is bad against Alabama. They they lose by, you know, 14, 17, whatever. Why would he not make the change? I, I think it's it's one of two reasons. Either they've seen, you know, no, nobody has seen Nico. I mean, he's played like 12 snaps or something like that in games. We we haven't really seen him and and practice is open in the preseason, but it's been closed since the season started. So we really haven't seen him. So it's it's one of two reasons. Number one, Nico's not good enough right now. He's he's just not there. They don't know if he'll be good enough. Um, he's, you know, he just doesn't look good enough to, to play in an SEC offense right now. Maybe he is next year, but right now he's not. That's number one reason. The, only they would know that. The number two reason is Joe Milton gives them something, what Blake was alluding to or questioning, that Joe Milton gives them something that they would lose if Nico was on the field. And I, I think maybe that's probably the more likely um, scenario. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs of how, how they run the offense. I do know that the quarterback has quite a bit to do with the run game, and he's given options. He he. he operates the offense the quarterback does in what run in in what run options that they have in the RPO game and the right now the run game's working really really well and i i think some of that has to do with the calls that Joe Milton is making and would that be the same if Nico was in there i don't think they operate the i don't think he operates the offense as well if he's in there um i think i don't think the tempo is as good if he's in there so much of Josh, what Josh Hopple's offense is, is not necessarily throwing the ball accurately or downfield or, or running it or anything like that. It's it's processing things really quickly. And Joe Milton is processing too slow right now. But I, th- I think they think that Nico would process slower. And if if the offense is running for 230 and passing for 100 with Joe Milton, we I think sometimes fans assume that well, the passing would be better and the running would be the same if Nico is in there. What if the running was worse? Uh, I, I think that's maybe maybe that's overanalyzing, but I think maybe that's part of the reason that Joe Milton you know, would have the job beyond the Alabama game. Uh, we we think of Nico as, not, as, as sort of a dual threat guy. Again, we haven't seen him. I, I'm just basing on reputation as a recruitment. I, I don't. How, I good don't. A runner, Go how good a runner do you think he is? Adam. I think he, I think he's athletic. I think he's mobile. I don't think he's a runner. There's a difference okay. between mobile and a runner. I think he's sure. mobile. I, I don't think he's a. I'm going to go get 30 yards on this. He, he's. I think he's more like a skinny Joe Milton than he is a Hendon Hooker. If that makes sense. Do you think that? I I just wonder what Joe Milton is. To me, in that A and M game. He made the makes the made the kind of mistakes that high school guys don't make. Yeah, he Freshmen he didn't play, he he wasn't your six year senior. He was making no, true no. freshman level mistakes. So, and I wonder how much how much uh, discretion do you think, Adam, that Joe Milton has in the play calling, switching out of one call and into another? Do you, do you think he has total freedom and they have complete confidence in his ability to do that? Or do you think it's very limited and they don't trust him to do a lot of that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think his options are certainly more limited than Hendon Hooker had. Um, now, Josh Hopple would say it's it's he gets free reign, uh, but that's you know if, if Hendon Hooker has five options, then he has free reign. If Joe Milton has two options and he can choose between the two, that's free reign also. But I, I think they're limited in that. I think what gets fans most frustrated about Joe Milton, especially in this game, the things that he's messing up on. When uh, when AM jumped off sides, everybody knows it's a free play. Everybody watching that game is saying that all at once. Free play, free play. And he didn't throw it deep. Instead, he tucked it and ran and didn't even run for the first down. He ran out of bounds. It's everybody watching that is saying free play. So why that that's a freshman mistake. When he threw the pick in the end zone, the safety never moved. And that's again, that's a freshman type uh, mistake. Everybody who's ever watched three football games can look at it and say, you know, that guy can run. Um, he took off there for 15 yards and bulldozed a, a cornerback. Why didn't that guy run a little bit more? Um, when when it's not there, when the pass isn't there, why didn't he tuck it and get six yards? Um, and he and he does. He ran it a little bit the other night, but seems to me his like five or six carries should have been like 12 carries. And so again, it's I think that's why this is more frustrating than any game of Joe Milton, because anybody that knows the basics of football can look at it and know that he's not using the best parts of his game and he's messing up in more of the elementary uh, principles of playing quarterback. A, a couple of thoughts um, circling back on some things that were raised earlier. Uh, I would present a third option as to why Josh Heupel wouldn't make a quarterback change. It's because coaches hate making quarterback changes they nine out of ten coaches if they can stick with the veteran or make the change they're not going to make the change uh especially if they think they can go eight and four with the veteran they're going to go eight and four with the veteran they just they don't do it Um, and part of that may be i mean you may be alluding to this loyalty you know all this was celebrated about joe milton that he stayed he could have left he stayed and we're going to get him into the nfl and I just think coaches team. hate change. I don't even think it's loyalty. I think they hate change. Uh, I think they favor veterans over young guys, um, and they don't want to make a change if they have to. I don't know if Josh Heupel would have made the change to Hinton Hooker in 2021 had Joe Milton got not gotten hurt against Pittsburgh. We don't We don't know. Well, I mean, looking forward, Josh Heupel could be hurting his own decision-making uh, by not playing Nico much because if Nico doesn't really – let's say he just plays a little bit against UConn and maybe Vandy um, and you just still don't know that much about him. In December, they have to decide whether or not to go into the transfer portal and get a veteran to compete with him or if they're just going to say, what's well, Nico and, and Jerk, Jake Merklinger, who's the high four-star that they have coming in. They would have a – I mean, at that point, Nico would maybe even redshirt just by accident. So you would have a redshirt freshman and a freshman competing for the job. If Nico plays quite a bit in the last month and plays well, you can say, okay, we don't have to go into the portal to get a guy. He, he's going to be ready by next year. But him not playing at all, you are, are you not going to go into the portal and get a guy? Or are you going to have to tell guys that are in the portal – no, you have a, You actually have a chance because we haven't seen this guy yet. It's it's it could be dicey depending on whether or not he plays. And uh, I thought when you said third option, you were going to go the Gaston Moore route because no, uh, no, the, no, the third string uh, veteran non scholarship walk on that came with Josh Hopple from UCF. I've I've actually gotten a number of emails. Why not go with Gaston Moore? I 
I don't. You look great in the spring game. Uh, Yeah, I don't want to make a segment out of that, but uh, it's it's Joe Milton or Nico, and I think it's probably going to be it's probably going to be Milton all all the way through. Yeah, I I would want to know to your point, Adam, if Nico isn't the guy, and I would want every potential transfer to see it if he's not going to be the guy. So again, for me, I would lean toward playing him in November if uh, if Tennessee's offense doesn't get it done against Alabama because I would either want to know going into next season, uh, we've got our heir apparent in Nico, or I would want every every transfer to know that he isn't the heir apparent. So come on down. There, there's competition. In, in we, would, we would want to know because we're not tied to the outcome of these games. For all the fans that are calling for Nico, and it's fine, I understand that, but what if Nico comes in and starts against Kentucky and throws um, three picks and he's he's eight for, for 28 for for 65 yards? He's then We would then be writing the next day, is Nico a bust? And that's what fans would be saying. Um, so if he's not ready, the, I think they're going to not play him so that he doesn't get tagged in that way. If he's not ready, he's not going to play. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying that's the case, but uh, you know, you, as of right now, he's a five star. If he plays and he plays bad, he's no longer a five star in a lot of fans' minds. If if Joe Milton goes 11 of 22 for 100 yards against Alabama and throws an interception in the red zone, and you don't want to play Nico, I would play Adam Sparks. Before, <laughs> Before I'd send Joe Milton out there, Adams, a former high school quarterback, good passer, uh, not afraid to take a chance every now and then. He's going to air it out and he's got eligibility. So I just wouldn't I just wouldn't parade uh, Joe Milton out there if he plays two back to back bad games. I wouldn't play him against Kentucky no matter what. The, The rotator cuff wouldn't wouldn't hold up, John. I'm sorry to hear that. You, It'd be you only, screen, the only screen passes. You, you paid the price for all your glory, didn't you? That's right. That's right. Well, we've sufficiently stacked the deck against uh, Tennessee's offense. Uh, but uh, as we as we said at the start, defense looked pretty good against Texas A&M. And I think the defense will, will have to be prepared to, to carry uh, at least a, a decent size uh, amount of the, the load in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. Uh, you can follow along with all the coverage of that rivalry game over at knoxnews.com, and we will be back to discuss here on the Volunteer State next week. Thanks for listening.